Hello, you're listening to the Coffee and Books podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by me, Scott, and Donut Shop. So if you guys like Donut Shop coffee, it's pretty awesome. I just bought my latest bag from Sam's Club. You know, it's a very nice little Costco-like store. You know, Sam's Club is everywhere. And Donut Shop is my go-to coffee right now. Why? Because I can buy it in bulk from Sam's, Sam's Club and I can carry it everywhere. All right, let's go. So, On Tyranny is a recent book that has come out during Donald Trump's presidency that is all about the uh, 20 lessons we can learn from the 20th century. Timothy Snyder is a historian who works at, um, I believe, Yale University and talks specifically about the Holocaust and is an expert on World War II and other such matters. So, I'm going to read to you now this book. Uh, It's very short. It's only 126 pages long. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read what each little chapter says and then the title of the chapter and just a little bit of like a prologue for each one. Chapter one is Do Not Obey in Advance. Most of the power of authoritarianism is freely given. In times like these, individuals think ahead about what a more repressive government will want and then offer themselves without being asked. A citizen who adapts in this way is teaching power what it can do. So what does that mean? Do not obey in advance. It means think for yourselves, but most importantly, do not do something without knowing, you know, asking why in return. When a government asks you to do something, you should always question why. Why is the most important ability we can ask as human beings? So that is chapter one. After a few pages, we go to chapter two, defend the institutions. It is in institutions that help us preserve decency. They need our help as well. We do not speak of our institutions unless you make them yours by acting on their behalf. Institutions do not protect themselves. They fall one after the other unless each is defended from the beginning. So choose an institution you care about, a court, a newspaper, a law, a labor union, and take its side. What does this mean? Defending institutions. The most important part of upholding a democracy is its institutions, because that is how we hold power in check, of course, and most importantly, it is our barometer of free speech and other such factors of what is going on in the world. Your alarm bells are going to be going off if you are, in my opinion, paying attention. So defend the institutions. It's not fake news. It's the news. So, I always like to say that. Chapter 3. Beware the one-party state. The parties that remade states, sorry, the parties that remade states and suppressed rivals were not omnipotent from the start. They exploited a historic moment to make political life impossible for their opponents. So support the multi-party system and defend the rules of democratic elections. Vote in local and state elections while you can. Consider running for office. So beware the one-party state. What value or lesson can we take from this? I think it's pretty obvious. One party, one state is not a good thing. It does not offer any options. And although we have options here in the United States currently, I do recommend that the one-party state system is definitely not something to look up to because there's no choice in that matter. And no choice is not democratic. All right, so now let's go to the next one. Lesson number four. Take responsibility for the face of the world. The symbols of today enable the reality of tomorrow. Notice the swastikas and other signs of hate. 
Do not look away and do not get used to them. Remove them yourself and set an example for others to do so. So, what is take responsibility for the face of the world? It means that we are all responsible for each other's actions. And we have to own up to the fact that there is such a thing as hate that's out there in the world. But if we can take responsibility and set a good example, we can make it a better place too. Alright, let's go into the next chapter now. Chapter 5. Remember Professional Ethics. When political leaders set a negative example, professional commitments to just practice become more important. It is hard to subvert a rule of law, state without lawyers, or to hold show trials without judges. Authoritarians need obedient civil servants, and concentration camp directors seek businessmen interested in cheap labor. So what does remember professional ethics mean? It means if you are to work in the business world, we have to hold ourselves accountable to ethics because ethics determine what is worth and what is worthy of a business transaction. Again, as a sample quotation pointed out, even concentration camp directors seek businessmen needing cheap labor. It does not make it ethical. So, again, remember, professional ethics. Let's go into chapter 6. Chapter 6. Be wary of paramilitaries. When the men with guns who have always claimed to be against the system start wearing the uniforms and marching with torches and pictures of a leader, the end is nigh. When the pro-leader paramilitary and the official police and military intermingle, the end has come. I think this is a very accurate description of paramilitaries, but the paramilitaries are always seen as the outsiders. But like this says here, what we can learn is that if the paramilitary is the same as the police, then you've already lost. Let's go into chapter 7. Be reflective if you must be armed. If you carry a weapon in public service, may God bless you and keep you. But know that evils of the past involve the policemen and soldiers finding themselves one day doing irregular things. Be ready to say no. I once heard that in the Israeli army, I believe, that it is very common to say, um, like, if you do not agree with an order, you can lawfully declare that you are not going to fall through with it if you think it is unethical or you think it is going to endanger someone else. Um, that is for the safety of your countrymen and your people. So being reflective if you must be armed, I think, is a great point here. You know, be ready to say no. No to killing someone that you don't agree with killing just because someone in authority or power tells you to. Chapter 8 now. Stand out. Someone has to. It is easy to follow along. It can feel strange to do or say something different. But without that unease, there is no freedom. Remember Rosa Parks. The moment you set an example, the spell of the status quo is broken and others will follow. I like this because, again, it points out here that even people such as Rosa Parks had to start somewhere. They had to stand out. Because if they what they did was normal, people would just accept the reality as the way it was. But people like Rosa Parks stood out because they did civil disobedience. That civil disobedience you know, created eventually the civil rights movement and created equal rights here in the United States. The point that I'm making is it is okay to stand out. And that is something that we all have to be acceptable of. Let's get into chapter 9. Chapter 9. Be kind to our language. 
Avoid pronouncing the phrases everyone else does. Think up your own way of speaking, even if only to convey that thing you think everyone is saying. Make an effort to separate yourself from the internet. Read books. I love this chapter just for saying that. Just reading more books, right? But be kind to our language. I think I get the idea here, which is you need to think for yourselves. And if you are always regurgitating what the people say, you will never, ever, ever formulate your own thoughts. So it is very important to read because reading is how you get experience and learning for yourself what you want. Let's go to chapter 10. Chapter 10. Believe in truth. To abandon facts is to abandon freedom. If nothing is true, then no one can criticize power, because there is no basis upon which to do so. If nothing is true, then all is a spectacle. The biggest wallet pays for the most blinding lights. Believe in truth. Alright, what is this trying to teach us? Well, I think that believing in truth means that we cannot agree that nobody can criticize power. We have to be able to criticize people. And I think that if we don't have the basis to do this, or abandoning facts, then we do abandon our freedom too. I think it's a very accurate statement. And now we're halfway through this book, so let's keep going to chapter 11. Chapter 11. Investigate. Figure things out for yourself. Spend more time with long articles. Subsidize investigative journalism by subscribing to print media. Realize that some of what is on the internet is there to harm you. Learn about sites that investigate propaganda campaigns, some of which you can, can come from abroad. Take responsibility for what you communicate with others. Again, this is something about what I talked about with an investigating in a newspaper. Or investing in a newspaper, I mean. Why would someone want to invest in a newspaper? As I said, it doesn't make any much, much sense in my other podcast, but I think that this accurately chapter describes what I'm trying to say here, which is that you wouldn't ask an artist to paint you a painting and not expect them to, you know, not charge you for it. So why would you expect the news to be free, you know, as well? You have to pay for good journalism. That's part of the whole reason why you need to subscribe to print media. You're paying for someone's opinions, but also their fact-finding abilities and their ability to uncover the investigative truth. So investigation, specifically in non-internet formats, is very important. And it is you know, your responsibility to realize if you've been fooled or to take into account that there are such things as hoaxes out there. Chapter 12. Make eye contact and small talk. This is not just polite. It is part of being a citizen and a responsible member of our society. It is also a way to stay in touch with your surroundings, break down social barriers, and understand whom you should and should not trust. If we enter a culture of denunciation, you will want to know the psychological landscape of your daily life. So, making eye contact and small talk. What can we learn from that? I think it does bring up a good point, which is, you know, it is not just polite. Although... Many people hate and say they hate talking small talk. I think the truth is is that you're not going to know everyone on a personal level. So having that polite small talk conversation for just a few seconds or a minute at a time is very important. And making eye contact while you do that shows that person respect, shows you respect if they respond back to you. All of those are very important things there. And I think that those break down social barriers. You know, with people more scared than ever 
you can break down that barrier by showing them respect. And then if you are also on the, you know, being persecuted against, it will also help you understand who you can and can't trust when people do show you respect. Let's go to chapter 13. Practice corporeal politics. Power wants your body softening in your chair and your emotions dissipating on the screen. Get outside. Put your body in unfamiliar places with unfamiliar people. Make new friends. March with them. I think this makes great sense. Get outside. Go outdoors. There's nothing that anyone would want other than for you, the status quo, to stay the same. You make the difference by showing your vote and making a difference by getting out there and campaigning and volunteering and doing many different things in politics. And, you know, everybody wants to have the argument that, you know what, it doesn't make a difference, my vote doesn't matter. That's BS. The truth is, is that practicing corporeal politics is an active way of meeting new people, making new friends, and most importantly, it gets you away from the idea that you can't do anything. You can do something. You can make a difference. Maybe not just in your life, but in someone else's life too. Let's go to 14. Chapter 14. Establish a private life. Nastier rulers will use what they know about you to push you around. Scrub your computer of malware on a regular basis. Remember that email is skywriting. Consider using alternative forms of internet or simply using it less. Have personal exchanges in person. For the same reason, resolve any legal trouble. Tyrants seek the hook on which to hang you. Try not to have hooks. Establishing a private life. Well, I think this is a very wise decision as well. Um, and just saying, you know, keep an eye out for what you do. You know, like make sure that you are aware of the risks and challenges posed with internet. But not only that, make sure that you are well aware of the fact that in a tyrant society, things will be used against you. So having those in-person conversations, and sometimes many people forget this, instead of posting something online, something should be posted maybe in person, like as in face-to-face as an actual conversation, not something that should be said on Facebook or any social media platform. All right, let's go to chapter 15. Chapter 15. Contribute to good causes. Be active in organizations, political or not, that express your own view of life. Pick a charity or two and set up an auto pay. Then you will have made a free choice that supports civil society and helps others do good. Again, I think this chapter speaks for itself. Contributing, contributing to good causes is rather very important. Um, it's very hard to spare money for most people, but the little bit of each month, it goes a long way for those organizations. So they definitely appreciate it, and so do I. Let's go to chapter 16. Chapter 16. Learn from peers in other countries. Keep your friendships abroad or make new friends in other countries. The present difficulties in the United States are an element of a larger trend, and no country is going to find a solution by itself. Make sure you and your family have passports. What can we learn from peers in other countries? I've always said that the best way to gain a perspective on life is to make friends with people who live in other countries because that is how you're going to learn about what they're going through and they're going to learn about what you're going through. That's the best way to view the world. Nobody can view the world from just one country. You have to have a bigger perspective on things. Let's go to chapter 17. 
Chapter 17. Listen for dangerous words. Be alert to the use of words extremism and terrorism. Be alive to the fatal notions of emergency and exception. Be angry about treacherous use of patriotic vocabulary. Again, I think this is something you can see clear of in modern day examples with politics with President, U.S. President Donald Trump. Um, the idea of saying things about extremism and terrorism. Uh, these are ways that politicians use the control to manipulate us to be afraid of other people, to maybe be afraid of ourselves, maybe they're afraid to go outside because then they can stay in power or stay in control. So listening for those words, very important. Let's go to chapter 18. Chapter 18. Be calm when the unthinkable arrives. Modern tyranny is terror management. When a terrorist attack comes, remember the authoritarians exploit such events in order to consolidate power. The sudden disaster that requires the end of checks and balances, the dissolution of opposition of parties, the suspension of freedom of expression, the right to a fair trial, and so on, is the oldest trick in a Hitlerian book. Do not fall for it. Alright, so what can we learn about being calm when the unthinkable arrives? Again, you have a major event where something happens. For Hitler, that was, you know, when the Reichstag building burned down. And when this happened, it was blamed upon Hitler's enemies, and then that is how, again, they consolidated the power. The next couple of days later, they, you know, voted against all the, against the human rights of all the Germans that were living in that country. So even though he lived in Germany, he passed laws against many groups of people very quickly. So, again, be calm when the unthinkable arrives. Let's go to chapter 19. Chapter 19. Be a patriot. Set a good example of what America means for the generation to come. They will need it. The difference between being a patriot and being a tyrant. Well, a patriot is someone who, you know, wants their country to do better. A tyrant is someone who wants their country, you know, to be superior. You know, a a patriot is someone who is, you know, wanting to build a better place. That's the difference between a patriot and a tyrant. Let's go to chapter 20, uh, last chapter. Chapter 20, be as courageous as you can. If none of us is prepared to die for freedom, then all of us will die under tyranny. Enough said, I think that pretty much sums it up there. All right, so that is On Tyranny, 20 Lessons from the 20th Century by Timothy Snyder. So what did I think? Well, I got to tell you, everyone, I give this book a 4 out of 5. And why did I think that? Well, I liked it. I felt like the chapters were short or quick read. You can get this done, like I said, in no time. All of you can read it right now. Um, what did I not like about it? Well, to be honest with you, I felt like it was an opinion piece. Still good, though, which is, you know, what I was expecting a little bit. But I just wanted more content. I felt like it was really small and short, and I think I wish they would have given more examples. I wish a little bit more. Uh, that's all. And I, I liked it so much, I just wish that there was a little bit more to it, I guess. Um, anyway, I'd like to know what they say in the next 20 years or in the next century, about what we're living through right now. But anyway, that's all for this episode.
Thanks again for listening. Please be sure to share with friends if you are new to this podcast or you have friends that you want to share this with. Uh, please don't forget, you can always email me at scottbernstein16 at yahoo.com. Uh, I'd love to hear from you. Of course, if you're living abroad, that's awesome. Let me know where you're listening from right now. Even if you're in the U.S., I don't care. I want to hear about it. And most importantly, what should I be reading next? Um, I'd like to hear from you, listeners. Uh, Thank you again for making this podcast possible. And uh, anyway, this is Scott signing off.